What is up, guys? It is Stu, and it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast from the other side of the world. And typically, I, I, you know, my buddy, I'll tell you, Boris, with Not Kind Creative, I have him generally do like a standing segment on the podcast. He's my go-to Aussie. And now I've got Nathan with me, AK Slamport guy. You do? Yeah, I'm Thanks excited, man. So uh, you, this is not the, the thing that I found most interesting. We were jamming last night at dinner. You make these trips to the U.S., fucking frequently like i think i like i was sitting there talking about like how i had to travel so much this year and then like your ass is taking a fucking what a 22 hour flight 18 hour flight is that yeah it's what 14 hours to la and then, and yeah, then it's another five hours over to get to across the side, so. yeah, yeah fuck i'm like yeah i need to shut the fuck up and stop complaining this guy is actually traveling so you know for anyone not familiar nathan here is um I would say you're the, you know, the original, whether you actually, are you the, you know, the original person to create an actual slam board or the one that kind of just got it in front of everyone's eye and got them using it? Obviously, there were some catalysts to that and some lightning rods, the Ben Patricks of the world and Marcus Philly and shit like that. But this was a, this is a product that by all means is generally, it's a pretty, like if you actually talk from an engineer perspective, it's a relatively simple design, but with absolutely it's so impactful of like a basic design. I mean, uh, the gym I had before we would do cyclist squats. We just have people put their heels up on a, a 45 pound plate, but that sucked, right? Cause it was rounded. It wasn't like a nice, even setup. And I look thing back in time for my gym. If I would have had, you know, fucking branded slant boards, that would have been so much better to help propel my unique belief in fitness and the shit that we did. Walk everyone through real quick. Give them like the, the three minute overview, how you went from, you had your, you know, big boy. I'm a dad. I got a bunch of kids. I got a regular job to fucking around and finding yourself as the slam board guy. Yeah, it was. So yeah, the quick three minute version was we, um, yeah, I went to a fitness camp, couldn't squat, come up with the idea of a slam board and answered your first question. There wasn't really a slam board on the market. There was some calf stretching boards that they called yeah. calf stretching, but nothing that could bear weight. Um, so what were they made of? Were they just like, they're just hard plastic. Okay. Just, One's made straight out of the factory overseas. Got it. And yeah, so that was the first thing. That's how it came about. Um, and then, yeah, I was a couple of people asked me to build them while I was still working. I was just like, at one stage, it got a little bit annoying. I was just like, come on, guys, like, I've got a full-time job. Like, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, look after my family and provide for the family. And what we was just the full-time moved. job again? Uh, I was in high-rise residential construction or commercial construction. So, like, site manager doing that stuff. Yeah, looking after some big jobs and... We just moved state and COVID had happened and bubbled on from there. Like we just got more and more people asking us to do stuff. Didn't have any social media. Sure. Um, and then it got to a stage where I said to my wife, like, what are we going to do? Like, do we, do we make a business out of this? Or, you know, I was on quite good money and supporting three kids in a nice school, in a nice house. And um, it was a big risk. Like I'd, I'd never really, I'd never worked for myself. So, sure. and my wife was full time in work. So we're just like, yeah, what do we do? Um, so I think that was in October, 2020. Um, and then we made made that we said, oh, let's just have a month and see what we do for a month. Um, and that took us to November. And then we said, let's do it. Let's make the plunge. So take me because the story yesterday was really fascinating. Take me through that first day of real sales where they kind of come in. Because November twenty eighth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you have a fucking you know yeah, it. You yeah. know it to the day. Oh, don't worry. We know it. <laughs> so had you been working with Ben at this point? No. No. Okay. So it's just up there, and then 
then, you know, how did that many people like just walk, walk everyone through that? Cause everyone dreams of that. Anyone, especially in product design or services is like, I'm going to put it out there in the world and then I'm going to wake up one day and it's going to be gangbusters. And if you have an excellent enough product or service that can come true, but kind of give us your story on that. Yeah. So that's what I said last night. I think like, um, you, you know, Shanti, but movement maestro, yeah. uh, she was the very first person to contact us from the States and, you know, like I said, we didn't have a box, we didn't have anything, so we just bubbled, we made a board on our driveway and bubble wrapped it and sent it over. And you know, I think um, from there on, I think Ben was following her, so I think that's kind of like where Ben kind of made the connection. But um, we didn't even have a website, so we then started social media. Um, and the tricky part was is that people buy and samples off us, deposit money into our account, but their Instagram name doesn't match their bank account. Correct. Names. Yeah, yeah. We used to you sit just there. send it to their handle right <laughs> on the mail on the packaging. And we used to sit there and we we're just like trying to match it all up. We had this little black book. My wife did, and she was like just trying to go. Is this person paid? Who is this person? <laughs> yeah. um, so that's when we got the website, and yeah, that was November twenty eight. We switched the website on, um, and by that stage, Ben had got a board. Um, like bought one office, and that's that's the crazy thing. I was just like, oh, I can send you one. He's like, no, no, no. Like, I, I want to pay for everything. Um, then you know my my judgment can't be clouded by uh, people just giving me free products. So um, he paid for his and he, he loved it. And yeah, just November twenty eighth, like I said, we turned the website on and well, I woke up in the morning because like we're kind of like asleep when you guys are awake. Yeah, we're just like I kind of rang the lady and said, "Is, is something wrong with our website? Like we've got like <laughs> like sixty, eighty sales. Like I'm just like it was just a lot of money um, to us at then, and we're just and she's like." No, 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 they're all they're That's all legit. They're all legit sales. I'm just like, oh shit, start building. We got we got a problem, but <laughs> get out, let's get out in the driveway and start building. So that that was kind of how it happened. And then you know, for that was November 28, so December, January, you know, was all out in the driveway, 12, 14 hours a day, out in the driveway cutting just on this little saw. Yeah. Um, until we moved into a warehouse, our very first warehouse in Feb. Okay, so first day, uh. You guys get a bunch of orders kind of scenario. And then it's like, okay, well, this is cool. But then in, in the back of your head, it's, well, this isn't, this is just a pop. This isn't how it's going to be. It's not going to be sustainable. How did you think about that? Because you obviously, before you went to sign a lease, you're going to think to yourself, is this just a flash in the pan, right? Is this just a moment in time? Or is this going to be something that is going to be sustainable that I can sign a three, five, like how long was the lease you signed? Three years. Okay. So you got to at least fucking hope that this is going to be sustainable for a minimum of three years. What, what made you think that? Because, you know, I've seen a lot of product guys show up and they become, uh, and service guys, they become a one hit wonder, right? They, they get one thing really fucking done well. They ride that, you know, they beat the brakes off it. They sell it till it fucking, until it, it, it's not relevant anymore, but then they don't have anything else. How were you thinking from a business perspective of, okay, the slant board, I'm, you know, this, per, I think if I tell, I have this percentage of the population that I could sell to. And, you know, let's say that's a million people. Well, until I get to a million units, I'm not going to worry because there's always going to be a customer for the slant board. Like, how, how did you think about this? <laughs> to be honest, we, we, we didn't, like, we didn't really have time in, in essence. Um, and I guess that's what I was talking about last night when we talk about business. It's always like, you, you feel like you get to a point, but then there's, there's something else, right? So it was like, for us, it was like, we're super, super busy off the front, off the mark. And then we're just worried about making product to keep the customers happy. And then it was like, okay, then you get your warehouse and you're like, okay, it's more over, like more outlay. So like, I've got to sell this many boards to be just as profitable as what it was on my driveway. Yeah. Um, but then because we were so busy, then you've got to buy a machine. So you start getting your feet on the ground then you've got to buy a machine. You know, and we're talking about $100,000, $120,000 for a machine. And yeah. because you've only been in business 
three months. Sure. You go into the bank and they're, they're, they're just laughing at you in Australia. They're just like, no chance. Like, you're wasting your time. Like, yeah. just don't, don't speak to us. So you've got to fund that. So it's like, you know, you're on your driveway. It's super profitable because you haven't got any overheads, but it's taken more time. Then you move into your warehouse, more overheads, but it's still profitable because you've got your saw. And then you dump 120 grand into a machine. So you're like back to square one. Where yeah. You're just like, one step backwards, two steps forward. So like, holy there. shit, if, 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 if we don't keep selling this stuff, babe, like we've just bought this machine and we've, we've got no, no money to show for like all these sales. So I feel like that pressure kind of never really ever goes away in a sense because, you know, the lease is one thing, but it's just like now we've got staff. It's continually more and more stuff that you've got to worry about. But I think like in answer to your question, it's just... I don't know. I, I try not to focus on them things. I'm trying to focus on moving forward and, and staying in front of the game to create different stuff. If not, um, I think, you know, you don't evolve. You just quickly, like you said, there's these people that just, they boom at the start and then they don't really evolve and then that's, that's just the end of it. So, yeah. I, you know, in the service industry, it's hard to quantify like COGS, like cost of goods sold, right? Like, you know, these are humans performing services, whether it's personal training or group fitness products or whatever it may be in your line of work, and that's why I've always had so much admiration for product guys, you guys have a much cleaner understanding. Okay, one board costs me this much in materials. It costs me this much in shipping. I know that in shipping, I'm going to lose, you know, 1% of my fucking money is going to be go like to, you know, damage carriers and shit getting broke or getting sent back or the wrong order or whatever the fuck it is. How do you quantify that? Like, as you sit here as a product guy, what, like in the fitness industry, I want to see a, a gym hover between uh, around a 20% margin, maybe when they get it, they get closer to 30. But that's kind of, that's where we're really topping off. You're not really going to get past a 30% profit margin in the gym industry, uh, especially the micro gym. For you, when you think about it as a product, where do you try to live? You know, for the board costs me fucking $30, I know I need to charge at least 90 because I have rent and employees and fucking machinery and shipping and international, you know, fees and all this other crap. Yeah, so like to be honest, up until probably six months ago, we were that busy that we literally couldn't quantify it. Like it was, it was seriously that busy. So it was just like, you know, we had someone come into the business and ask us about business and how's it going and profit and loss statement. I said, I don't really have a profit and loss statement. Like, <laughs> we have no fucking idea. Yeah. Our bank accounts have profit and loss yeah, statement yeah, yeah. because we had literally no time, you know, and to put it in perspective, like grip tape in Australia, like we're ringing the biggest suppliers in Australia and they're like, well, we can't we can't keep up. Like we're buying twenty foot shipping containers off them of grip tape, and they're like, "What are you doing with this stuff?" And sure. Like, so we've had people come down to the warehouse and just like actually look look around and say, at "What, what are we're you doing?" doing? Yeah. Because they thought maybe we're on selling it. Like maybe we're doing this. And I'm like, "No, no. Like this this is what we're doing." So they've all come down. But in answer to your question, like with the figures, like we've only really just kind of like finely tuned everything because I said like with the staff being able to punch out a certain amount of boards per day, so you can quantify. Yeah, okay, that guy, yeah, it costs us. $350 a day. Yeah. Okay, he spits out what, 100 boards. So sure. $3.50 per board for him to make them, but then you've got another five of them. So it's just like, you got to weigh that up. Sure. Um, Do you yeah. find now that you're, this, the business is sophisticating, you're having a little bit more time to sit back and... I'm not an intrinsically a numbers guy. Like I was not, math is not my strong suit. I can do like barbell math. You roll a barbell <laughs> to me, I know exactly what's on that fucking bar within about two seconds. But... In regular math, I had to force myself to to respect and get better at and and play around. And I, I I purposely would double up. Like I had, you know, we I had software that would tell me this is how much money you made that month, and I wouldn't let myself 
use that. I would create my own Excel sheet with my own shit because it forced me to play with the math and it forced me as money came in. Oh, I got to go to my bank account. How much money came in the bank account? Okay, I got to put it here. And does that match up with the number on that dashboard? And it just forced me to go get numbers because I fucking hate the math part. I If I could outsource it, but it's the one thing I found made me more money when I kept my eye on the math. Otherwise, we kind of just go based off emotion. You look at the checking account at the business, you're like, oh, there's fucking six figures there. We're good. Well, actually, about fucking 70% of that is already allocated for it. And you make these decisions based on this this comfortable number, this big ass number in your checking account. But are you finding yourself now as, you know, things, you know, you're getting better systems and stuff and, and you're having better operations installed? Are you, are you sitting back more? Or is that more what your wife's doing now? I saw the wife. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm the type of guy that goes, oh, those six figures in there. Let's buy <laughs> this good. and this and we can buy a machine and we can <laughs> yeah. buy this and that. And she's, yep, yep. she's like, Nathan, like, pull it up a little bit. Like, we've got, yeah, we got yeah. some really big bills coming in. I'm just like, oh, I'm, what do you mean? Where's it all going? She's like, well, I'm not using it. So like, where's it? I'm just like, yeah. So she does all that kind of stuff. And I'm super lucky. Like a lot of people that meet us are just like, you know, how do you make it work? But yeah, it's kind of like I'm more production and relationship building and, and coming out and doing this. Yeah. She's more behind the scenes, money, business side of stuff, um, jumps in and helps out a heap. Like down, like super lucky to have someone like that that just get down yeah no down I, and dirty and the, even the guys that work with us is just like holy shit man like you got your wife doing that stuff and i was like yeah she loves it like she so because sometimes it's a good relief for her to just be able to come down to the warehouse and get on the tools and sure and, and do a bit of work so nah super lucky to to have her do that part of it because yeah I'm, I'm i'm a numbers guy but i'm not like a money guy like i don't i don't handle it well i'm just like yeah i'm gonna fly here and i'm doing this and i'm doing that yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah maybe do it next month yeah so it will, I would, that's where I want to go to too. We, you know, we talked about, and a lot of people, and I'm sure it's frustrating for you, you know, whether it's Mick over at HGG performance with his, you know, the tip bar and the Nordic, you know, attachment. I had him on the podcast or Isaac over at Anchor. I know Ben talked about his product, but a lot of people like, you know, the Ben Patrick phenomenon, he touched a lot of unique, small equipment creators and you guys all had, there was some, there was some good mutual benefit from that. It's frustrating as fuck for someone to then go ahead and want you to tell you to hang your hat on the success of just that one guy doing X amount of shout outs when, you know, uh, for anyone not familiar, you know, Ben Patrick is now doing a lot of his own equipment and stuff like that. And, and you guys probably still have a good professional relationship, but it's not as mute. It's not as back and forth shout outs as it used to be. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, with that being said, that means you've had to go ahead and be like, okay, you know, our, your social media is all what I call CGC, consumer generated content. Yeah. That's so that that's your marketing play. And then there's you flying all the way over here and making time. Like I remember, I was telling her, like when I'm like, I'm gonna see, like I don't know, I'm gonna ask him if while he's in town. I don't know, maybe I have no idea why he'd be in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then he came back. I'm like. I don't think he's going to be here. I literally think he's making the trip up here to fuck around and do this. And this is, I'm like, there's no fucking way. Because yeah. I, I mean, I go on the other side of the country to do this kind of stuff. But it's, you know, I book all my fucking San Francisco, San Rafael, <laughs> LA, like everything there in, on the fucking West Coast. I do it all at once. And here's you and you fucking New York, Charlotte, fucking Tennessee, like wherever the fuck you're going. You know, I mean, walk me through your mindset of, okay. The States is where obviously a lot of my majority of my customers are. And there's a lot of influential people in the fitness scene out there. Like talking about how you think of networking. I always tell people like, take that cup of coffee meeting that has no ROI, right? Like do the thing that could be a long-term relationship, but you have no idea if it's actually going to turn into anything for you. And it seems like that's a lot of what you do with your relationship strategies and your marketing. Yeah. Look, I said to you last night, I think that's a big thing. Like social media is a really, really good thing. Like you can scale really, really quick. But I think where a lot of people come 
undone is it's just a text message. Like there's no face to face interaction. There's none of that. You know, today's society be, is become a little bit like they they want that return on investment straight away. Like when they have that meeting, they want someone to order their product or buy their product or, hey, I'll send you a product if you shout me out. Well, I'm just like, doesn't really work for me. Sure. Um, and I'm more like business orientated from the olden days. Like, and I just think it's more, let's just catch up. Let's have a chat. Let's get to know each other. Um, and, you know, there's certain people that we've met that we haven't we haven't clicked and there's other people that, you know, I'm sure that will probably stay friends for a lifetime um, and it's not just about a slam board, it's more about the friendship now. So that's super important to me. That's the type of person I am. You know, like I said, I come over in January. I did 18 flights in about 32 days in January, <laughs> middle of COVID, so that was pretty crazy. Yeah. And then I just, I just come over May and June, did another yep. heap, and then I'm just back now with the family. So we made the decision not to do it again without the family so that they'll come with us. So, you know, it was, it was really interesting bringing Kim. Firstly, we went down to Miami and she's just like, I just clicked and she's like, now I know why you do this. Because at some stage over there, she's like, you're crazy. Like, why you want, you always want to go to America for a month, five weeks at a time? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, because you meet some like super cool people that are really, really willing to help you out um, and just believe in your product and, and your story. And, you know, well, we're not just rocking into gyms and saying, Hey, can we get a photo with you, Stu, on a slant board over there? Just stand there, do this, do that, and then leave. Um, you know, dinner, or we're just catching up, having a chat, and it's, yeah. it's really sometimes got nothing to do with the slant board. So that's my position on it. I think, you know, moving forward, we'll probably spend up to six months at a time. Yeah. In the states, um, and then you know we've got three PO in a warehouse at the moment, um, and then just as things progress, then hopefully, I think within six months we should have manufacturing down packed here in the states and. That's super important to me. Um, where where do you get to set up shop? Probably Tennessee. Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Low state taxes. That would be. Yeah. So what, for when you do that and you're an international company, what does that process look like? We'd have to set up. Well, so we'll set up a U.S. entity. Got it. Um. So like it'll be all based here. Bank accounts. Director over here. Yep. Um. So like I said, whether we actually. But on the table now at the moment is us relocating. Yep. To the states, which is. Yeah, super important to me. Like, I mean, without any of the customers doing what they've done for us so far, we wouldn't have what we've got, um, which is just a business. Like, you know, we don't have this $10, $20 million business, but we've got like a a successful business, I believe, in a brand that we're building that, you know, 90% of the people um, that have helped us do that live in America. So the important thing for us is to, yeah, bring manufacturing here. Um, You know, we do all the manufacturing back home anyway, which is crazy in our warehouse. It's all built by hand, Um, but... For me, it's just super important to bring it over here and kind of give back a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's what I said at the moment. It's just about finding the right numbers, being able to have enough sales to be able to put our own staff on over here into the warehouse. So that'll be the six-month to a year progression. But, you know, at the moment, we've got our stock here at Tinder 3PL in the warehouse. So it's kind of getting sent out of here anyway. So we're kind of generating income for, you know, people that live in the U.S., yeah, that's yeah, kind of that's kind of big. Insurance fulfillment time would allow you to get a stronghold here. Would you know? I mean, having a location here makes obviously perfect sense. What does you know? You, you said you're not a you know a ten twenty million dollar business so far. If you don't mind sharing, what how much money is like how much a guy the slant board guy in sales? What have you guys done in total? Do you know? I don't know to the top of you. Could yeah. Ask him, but I don't know in the vicinity of four or five million. Okay, it's just incredible to me because a lot of people again. You know, whether it was everything, I believe everything, uh, I believe everyone has luck, but I believe luck only shows up when you're working hard. I don't believe you're sitting on your dick at home and just fucking, you know, when opportunities show up at your door and you make, you know, the kind of money you got to have been busting your ass doing something, working hard. And then luck shows up in the midst of the hard work. And 
you know, COVID timing, things like that, the relationships you've made, the company's done really well, especially by those financial standards that you just shared with us. However, a product-based company has got to constantly look to evolve it and create something new. And you guys have re- like, talk a little bit about like the entire product line because it started with Slantboard and then, um, What's the drop step for the deficit work and things like that? Uh, Just a step up. Yeah, step up board. That's it. It started with the slant board. And that's what I want to say about Ben. You know, Ben's obviously been awesome for our business. You just mentioned it before. We get a lot of people that say, you know, you're only successful because of Ben. I'm like, okay, to a degree, he, he did help, you know, our platform. But it's just as hard when you have someone like that to scale the size you need to scale to up like that, that can ruin your business, right? Sure, but like having it, this one mouthpiece. Thing. Well, yeah, but, but like you know, he'd post and you'd do a hundred boards, you know. So it's like if you're not on top of your game and they're posting and you're selling all this stuff, it's one thing to sell it, but you've got to fulfill the orders, right? So it's like that's why I love being in control of our own manufacturing. Like if we weren't, we wouldn't have a business. Like if we we're getting it made overseas or wherever they will get it made, we just wouldn't have a business because we wouldn't have been able to keep up. So Ben loved the slam board and then I was just, I was obviously doing his program and he does like a lot of the, you know, progression standards and, and how he does it. And it's, I like it. It's really good. It's measurable. So you know where you're going and how you're doing it. And I just noticed that he was putting, he was just standing on them plastic, like nearly like aerobic blocks, the Reebok ones that they make. Yeah. Um, and it was flexing and I'm just like, that's like, they're pretty cool for just people that need no weight. I said, but we should just build something that, you know. Sturdier. Yeah, and like all our stuff's good for six, seven hundred kilos. You know, it's like no one's going to stand on there with that weight. So I said, I messaged him and said, I've I've come up with this mad idea. It's like two, four, and six inch step all built into one. Don't have to keep stacking stuff on top of each other. You can use it like this. Send him a little demo, and he's like, "That's mad. Can you make one for me?" I'm just like, "Yeah, I'll send you the prototype. It's a little bit rough, but sent it out and um didn't really think anything of it. Like just thought, okay, we'll we'll probably sell a few of them, and then they just took off again. Same thing." Um, just went nuts so that was that was good and then meanwhile like I said like we, you're doing that but in the back of your mind's always like what's next like mm-hmm. what's next okay we've got that what's next what's next what's next um, and then it was January it would have been January 21 like I had my new concept of our travel boards in January 21 and I think we just released them in like May this year and the trail board for everyone is just like the two smaller slant boards that you can <laughs> easier to carry around. They would allow you to do different things. Like, you know, when the slant board's right underneath you, because I, I use the one I bought from you guys. It's the, when I want to use the big base one. If I'm doing something like I wanted to do a double arm deficit kettlebell deadlift and go down, the board gets in the way. But if I, you have those individual ones, you could have anything in between your flicks. Yeah. And they stack on top of each other. And yep. kind of just, there's a lot of stuff out there which, it's cool that people are coming up with different ideas, but we just we didn't want to take away from our original slant board, the original angle, everything that made it so popular. But we just wanted to try and make it into like a travel version. So when we did that, um, we just come up with that, played around with it a little bit, and then just you know try to customize them with colors. And like I said to you last night about branding, so you know you walk into a gym and you can kind of see them and know that they're ours, right? Sure. Um, so we did that, but like I said, from January twenty one all the way to May this year, like we had that sitting there, but didn't release it because we we're so busy and you know once again you want to you want to move forward and create more stuff but you want to keep the customer happy um, and to do that we had to hold on so like I said again it's always if it's not money if it's not machines if it's not product there's there's always once you think you've got one thing like downset it's another issue like yeah another problem there's something else to overcome so yeah good problems like they're really good problems to have but sure. at the end of the day um yeah, like you're always trying to progress and you know, there's people copying you and so you're trying to keep ahead of them and 
like I said, if, if you're an inventor, I believe you like, you always invent stuff. People always copy, you know, what you're doing. Um, but if you stay ahead of the game, then you know that's the that's the key to success there. I think so. Yeah, yeah that's what we're trying to do. I, I told someone one time I was like, uh, we were talking about the slant board, and um, you know, it was one of those conversations where the other guy I was talking about was like, man, why didn't I think of that? I'm like, think of everything you do in the gym in which you make shift it by stacking plates on top of each other. That could be like small plyo boxes like i need a nine inch plyo box so i'm gonna stack four 45s on or uh you know, anything that you just make shift in the gym that in and of itself is a product opportunity right like anything that we we rig up right and we just kind of like oh, i'm gonna do this with this to make this work because it's not designed to do that like that's always the opportunity but it's an it's inventors it's product guys and i'm not one of them i just respect the shit out of you guys product guys see them like oh i totally need to make something to, to solve for that. My biggest one forever, pull-up bars. So I've got this ability to go pronated or supine on the pull-up bar. Why can't I go neutral? Now, Rogue makes some pretty fancy attachments, but I got to fucking have that thing permanently installed. Why can't I just have an attachment that would hook over the pull-up bar and allow me to now have a neutral grip? And, you know, it, that was a that was something I would bitch about 12 years ago. Uh, and now it's something you could find on Amazon for $35. Like, right, like people have come up with that. And it's all just like when you're in the gym and you're coming up with new shit, you're always, dude, you're always rigging together some half-ass shitty like i see got like guys who like with incline they don't have incline benches at their gym so they stack up like 745s and put the back legs of the bench right up there on top of it and pray to fucking god it doesn't fall down it's stuff like that you know and now there's got there's attachments you can take a rig it's got a bench and it attaches to the j cups of your rig and now it's perfectly set up and you can change the angle of it it just it's ideas like that they're endless especially in a gym setting yeah, it's always going to be like that because everyone has a different need. Yes. Right? So everyone that walks into the gym aren't the same. So they all have a different need. It's about coming up with the idea that's scalable for you to be able to make a business out of it. That That's my belief. Like I could make 20 different slant boards, but for the time that it would take and for it to be scalable, you know, pe- people always message, oh, can you make one that's 10 degrees? Can you make one that's 15 <laughs> degrees? And it's like, it, it's not that easy, right? Yeah. Like a lot of people go, oh, the slant board's easy to build. I'm just like, yeah, it is aesthetically if you want it to look aesthetically nice sure. and, and the functionality behind it and the timber you use and the angles you cut that's not that easy yeah can you make one in your garage yeah of course you can yep and you and can, you can change it whatever angle yeah. but to do it at scale that's not fucking easy no 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 one when we're talking about tens of thousands of slant boards it's it's not it's not an easy thing to do um you've got to have you got to be set up to be able to do two three four hundred boards a day it's just not scalable so yeah i wish it was um but it's not so we were talking actually. A lot of the gym owners that listen to this are constantly always looking for to get an edge on their competition by the the type of fitness that they offer. How to make it look different than the gym down the street when a lot of the the tools that they use, a lot of the ingredients are the same: barbell, rower, pull-up bar, plyo box, whatever it is. And you know, going back now, if I were to open another gym again, this slant board would totally be one of those because it checks so many boxes for me. Number one. It's unique. You do not see that in group fitness. I couldn't, I, I'd be hard pressed to find a group fitness program that has designed their group fitness model with this unit in mind. There's probably several of them that I can't think of or haven't, haven't come across yet, but it's definitely unique. Two, it's operational capacity friendly, meaning for these gyms, and we're all trying to get the smallest square footage we can get because shit is so expensive, especially in the States to get warehouse space or any retail space. I need stuff that could stack and store in the corner and not fucking take up a lot of space. You know, we still look at these archaic things. Like, I swear to God, the reason, how has nobody come up with a collapsible 
plyo box. You know, the ones that are 30 inches, 24 and 20. Fucking create a goddamn clay. You can put fucking uh, what's his face on the moon, but you know, you can't But we, you know, I can put lasers in my eyes and have LASIK eye surgery and have 20 20 vision, but I can't get a goddamn collapsible plyo box because you look at a gym that wants to have 20 of them. Holy shit, that entire section of the gym over there is fucking gone. You got to stack them up. It just, it's a pain in the ass. It takes up all the space. It yeah. does. So it's like I always got off on equipment that was smaller that didn't take up space and still gave my clients a unique and a great result. Have you come across any gym group-based models that are using these like as like one of the primary exercise modalities in their gym? Not every single brand, like um, franchise, but F45. Okay. We've we got a, like, yeah, probably about 20 to 30 franchises okay. that use our equipment in them. But other than that, there's like a couple of really big CrossFit gyms in Melbourne Back home, a lot of the universities over here, a couple of the NBA teams, you know, 10 or 15 at a time that they yeah. buy, which is good, um, but not really someone that's like a F45, like just go to get an agreement and go, okay, let's incorporate this into your sure. workouts and, you know, for every... It's part of the equipment package for every new location. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be super cool. I think I think it's a like, really, really good fit, um, but it's more about an education piece and I guess that's another thing why we've been so successful around Ben is Ben bought education around the equipment with a lot of the equipment that you see now from HGG, Isaac from Ancor, it's Ben's the one that's delivered sure. a lot of the education around it, which is which has helped. But that's that's what I think plays a huge part in it. I mean, you can come up with a product tomorrow, but if you can't show people how to use it or the benefit to them for that equipment, then what have you got? You've got a good piece of equipment, but you haven't got someone. You, you literally just nailed something I think is so important, is giving people the word ammo, the knowledge ammo, because when they talk about, so, and that's one thing I think CrossFit did so well. Before CrossFit was what it was, it had the CrossFit Journal, which is just this free publication that you would read it, and then I could turn around, I could literally read one CrossFit Journal article, download that, digest it, and then turn around and tell my buddy who's doing bicep curls and using the elliptical every day, that's fucking stupid, and here's why. Here's why you should do this instead, and you should be doing power cleans and mix it in with your cardio, and I instantly, even if he thinks I'm a fucking whack job, right? I have this educational ammo I'm able to hit him with. And that's what everyone wants. If they discover the slant board, they do want to tell their friends, dude, the slant board thing's great. And their friend goes, well, why? Uh, it fucking hurt. It doesn't hurt my knee. Like they have the, it does. They don't feel like they have a good foundational, good explanation. Anyone who's a fan of Ben Patrick or fan of Ben Patrick's now knows what they can say now. And they sound intelligent about the thing. And that's what we all want. We want to, you know, defend the things that we believe in from a fitness, a unique belief in fitness perspective, but we just don't want to sound like fucking idiots. And I think that's what Ben and CrossFit and, and things like that, companies like that have done. They've armed their their customers with the education needed to go out there and, and, you know, have a debate over a beer with their other friends as to why this is a better solution. Yeah. Like, couldn't agree more. Like, that's what I said. You, you could have the best idea and the best piece of equipment, but if you don't have education around it, you're not going to go anywhere. It's not going to work. Talk it's to a, me. It's like a gym, right? Yeah. No, you, that, you're right. You're, you, that unique belief in fitness for a gym needs to be something that someone could go and argue. Like if they go to a CrossFit, they need to be able to argue with their Orange Theory friend as to why CrossFit's better than Orange Theory and vice versa. Neither are right and neither are wrong. As long as you feel like you can defend it because someone has also given you the education in and around it. So from what you, we talk about like, hey, you're constantly having to fulfill you're having to sell the product when it's great helps sell itself. You're having the market, but when the product's great, people help market for you. But that constant invention piece, right? And constantly for you, an inventor is is someone in my opinion who's constantly curious. 
always looking at ways to do something a little bit better, a little bit different. Talk about the most recent board, because that that was one that, like, again, out of all the, you know, you have all these guys jacking your shit and, and ripping you off left and right. But your Dude. most recent board, I haven't seen anyone hit at it yet. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're right behind you at some point. But it'll be there in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, like I said, that's the disappointing thing for me. A lot of people don't realize how much time, effort, money trialing stuff goes into it you know like i said january 21 to may 22 for the travel ones it's a long time right like there's yeah. a lot of stuff testing everything like that with the new one jeff lavecchio that i was talking to you about last night from st louis or chesterfield he trains a lot of ice hockey athletes so i was there in january and may and we we're just talking about like you know what do you think would benefit some of the people some of the kids that you're training this and that and we're looking at the motion of like, ice hockey players and like how they skate and i'm thinking why don't we build something like this so you can... I see a lot of people put our boards up, our original OG, up against the wall and they jump off it and land just on a flat surface. And I said, it's kind of not what happens in most sports, right? Like sure. You're not landing on a flat surface, you kind of like land on angles. So I said, why don't we make this? Um, and again, we're trying to create a dimension that was beneficial for us, beneficial for the customer, but didn't wipe out our other product as well. And so we come up with the Axis and yeah, I, it's, we've got rave reviews about it. Everyone's loving it. Yeah. We've sold, yeah. Lots of them, yeah, a lot more than what we thought. Um, and then, yeah, like that, that's how it come about. And to be honest, we've we've got it in the hands of some other people, and you know, some of the movements that they've created. Um, Dan down in Miami that I just spent a couple of weeks with, live kinetically. He um, it just blows my mind. Like they're doing push ups on them. They're doing like, yeah, I, I can't wait to go in the gym later today yeah. with you and show you some of the moves that yeah. they come up with. But it's just like it amazes us. And again, I get back to the education piece, right? If if people actually buy the access and see that you can do 30 different movements on it then it becomes a cheap piece of equipment that you can do a lot a lot of like elite achieve a lot of stuff on it rather than just being a slam board or rather than it just being for one exercise so education is the way to go i think like that's where we're kind of pivoting a lot um into the education space and, and then we'll release the products on the back of the education yeah i uh i, I gotta connect you at some point with uh Brandon and Kirk, they're the the founders of Metabolic, and they they were NHL hockey players. Yep. And their entire program, you can just see the installed elements that they went through in their hockey training. They even have like, you put the whatever the fucking thing around your feet, and you, it's a it's a slide board, just side to side yeah. glide board kind of thing. And so as you're talking about with Axis, I was like, oh fuck, Brandon and Kirk would probably love this because they love anything that is again, it's going to be outside the box. It has origins with something like hockey training that they experienced. Yeah, I definitely need to get you connected with them. It's funny when we think about the fitness industry now, and some of the other products that come out as an inventor. What are some other products you've seen hit the market that aren't necessarily in your lane? They're not like a direct competitor of yours, but things like they're out there that you're like impressed by. Because I I refer and I, I said this to Mick and I said this to Isaac. You guys are all part of this like graduating class for me, like this like 2020 graduating class of thinking outside the box fitness product guys. Um, the product only before your class of you know uh, that came out was uh, the torpedo. And the Torpedo was a product that if a kettlebell fucked a dumbbell and a barbell, they had a three-way. <laughs> this this is the fucking product that would come out. I've got two of them back there. I'll show it to you before we leave. But essentially, it's got handles on the side. So you hold in this neutral position. You could hold it by just the one handle and swing it. You could grab it by the center like a dumbbell. And it's just a, it's a, it's a 
beautifully unique piece of equipment. And that was the last thing I saw where I was like, man, that's, I'm, I'm just impressed by the ingenuity behind that. What have you seen out there? Because you probably run into way more products than I do. And I try to keep my eyes open all the time. But Oh, dude, you got you to go down to Miami and see Dan from Kinetically, like Live Kinetically. He's got every toy there is to have. The super cool one I've seen down there at the moment is Cinderfit. I don't know if you heard of Cinderfit. I thought, were you squatting with one of those on the slant board? Yeah. Hold it. I saw the video. Yeah. And I, I went and met the guys that created that super cool um, company and just come up with the idea. And, and they were, they're kind of got like a little CrossFit gym there and they were using Besser blocks, like concrete blocks. And that's how they come up with the idea. And they've, they've made it into a, a, oh, it's a super cool product, man. Yeah. It, it, it's, I think it will go nuts. But again, looking from business perspective, perspective I just, I'm always, brain never stops thinking. Sure. It's just like, yeah, it's a lot of weight that you've got to send around. Like it's the same as a dumbbell, right? But it's just like that cost, like yep. it's, it's hard these days because everyone wants a really good product, but they don't want to pay for the good product. They want to get something on Amazon. Yeah. And you know, the quality is not there. So it was just like, for them guys, I think that'll be the biggest challenge is their pricing point, but their product, like, yeah, it's out of this world. Like you can do everything with it. Like for me, like a kettlebell, like doesn't, doesn't stack up. Sure. To that, I think it's crazy. You can use it as a box. You can, you can use it as anything. It reminds me of the torpedo when you're actually just talking about that, like how many movements you can do with it. Um, that'd probably be one, and the, probably the other coolest one is like monkey feet, right? Which oh yeah, yeah. everyone everyone knows about. Super cool guys, super cool company. Um, so that one, and what what Mick's doing at HGG, like yeah, he's created a fair bit of pretty pretty cool stuff. It's just it's a shame, like I said. Now there's so many more different ones out there, and you know, at the end of the day, do they do the same job? Probably. But quality's got to got to do something for someone, you know. Like look at Rogue. Like Rogue's kind of like the benchmark, right? There's, and that's why I said there's space for everyone in every bit of market you can do, and and look at. But um, you know, people go and buy cheap bumper plates and barbells and sure. stuff like that. But then you got Rogue at the top. Then you got Kabuki that are just innovating. Like they're the other ones, man. Like they're crazy. Like their warehouse is nuts, man. Like I, I was in there. It was just like I was having like. A, yeah, I could have stayed there for days yeah, just like watching machines. And yeah, yeah. Like it was it was so good, and what they create and what they do and how they and how they do it and hold themselves. I think it's like mad. Like have you ever been to the on it gym in is it Austin, Texas? No, I think it's in Austin, Texas, yeah. but I haven't been. No. Yeah, no, I've never been myself either. I've heard that's again another really cool kind of experience in there. Yeah, they're really big into the the maces and the clubs and all that kind of shit. You know, when I think of like product opportunities, like. Again, there was the Globo Gym World, go to the gym, use the traditional weightlifting equipment, right? And that was played out at the time. CrossFit shows up, really pushes free weights and resistance training, Olympic weightlifting, body weight. So there's like that big rush. But then there's like a little bit of a consolidation. You see like Marcus Philly kind of going back towards this like quote unquote functional bodybuilding. Like it's okay to isolate body parts. And there are some machines that make it crazy effective to do so. Leg extension, leg curl, which the monkey feet kind of selects. The gym we're going to go to here in a little bit, like a bunch of the guys that, that I'm buddies with there, they'll bust my balls. They're like, Stu fucking turns this place into a goddamn Globo gym every time he walks in here. I've got two anchors set up, right? I could do some different like flies and shit. I've got, I'm doing my leg extensions, sitting on a 30 inch box with a foam roller underneath my knee. Yep. Oh, they got, and so like, I look to, man, the Globo gym does have some great equipment that I do like. I do like to isolate, and especially as you get older, you can't just squat clean and deadlift fucking every goddamn day. It's, I mean, it, it, you can, yeah, you can. It just eventually is going to beat you up a little bit. It's like I look at the opportunities out there for you product guys in the fitness space. It's like what machines out there are incredibly beneficial, but they're just too fucking big. No, no boutique gym's going to fucking buy these things. 
And, you know, hell, I've taken Anchor. I took the two of them and strapped them to the top of the rig. Just sit down flat on the ground. I take them out and I put a PVC pipe and I hook the two handles to a PVC pipe and I just pull like a lap pull down type scenario. And there was a girl, a woman in the gym doing open gym one day and she goes, Hey, do you work? Here? I was like, no, I don't want to work here. I just work out here. She's like, I'm having a really hard time with pull-ups. Do you think something like that would help me? I was like, fucking a thousand percent that would help you, right? If you yeah. don't, you know, it's just so fucking cool. Because like, that's where I see like so much of a lot of the opportunity is how do we bridge the big bulky yet has good, has some potential better. And there's plenty of machines that are dog shit. I don't think we need in the, in the world, but there are some that have plenty of uh, advantages, but then we get into things like how do we load it? Is it a pulley system like the you know the genius of what Anchor came up with? How do you how do you add resistance to it? All that kind of stuff. What what you, where are you working at? You work. I mean, obviously, when you're not building and working and doing the like, do you like going to the traditional gym? Do you like going to a group gym? What what do you like to do? I've put on about ten or fifteen kilos <laughs> on, on this business journey because I haven't had time to go, but. Um, I don't mind just going just down to a normal like world gym, yeah, um, a normal standard gym, um, because I can take all the stuff with me. Yeah, you know, so I've got my slant board, tip bar, monkey feet, and I, I love going there because it kind of showcases. Correct. Yeah, it's not about showcasing our equipment, but the looks that you get. You do. Like, yeah. You know, they're just like, what the fuck's that guy what doing? The fuck's that guy doing? Yeah. And I'll, I'll specifically leave it there to go and do something else, and I come back and someone's on it using the slant board, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I just. And they, they look at you and you say, oh, I'm just here to get the same point. And they go, oh, no, I'm using it. It's like, oh, no, like it's mine. Yeah, yeah, like, it doesn't belong here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, and they're like, oh, cool. So you, you get into that yeah. story and tell them a little bit about like, how it come about. Like, you can cares, buy your own. Did you know this? Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy to me and it would be crazy to you, but like you go, oh, do you know Ben Patrick or do you know Marcus yeah. Steele? And they're like, who? Yeah. And you just like, even even now when you travel around Australia, like America, I travel around the US and you're just like, Ben Patrick or, yeah. or Marcus Philly or Mark Bell. And they're just like, who? And you're just like, how do you not know that? And which is, it's, that's the encouraging bit, but because you're like, when you're in business, you're just like, well, how many more of these things can I sell? Or what can I do? Or, you know, how much is out there? And then when you actually hear that, you go, fuck, the world's big, right? Like it's fucking Yeah, huge. the actual penetration the fitness industry has had in the world is minimal. Yeah. Minimal. Yeah, so that's that's the encouraging thing. Um, but yeah, I, I like to just go down to that gym, work out. We've got some stuff in our office. We do want to move to another warehouse. We've got two at the moment um, that we've outgrown, so want to try and get one bigger warehouse so it's all in one and then we can fit it out with a nice gym podcast studio and then just have visitors actually save me coming yeah no over, absolutely over yeah. to the u.s they yeah, can fly over exactly we can host them for a little bit that'd be better exactly we were talking like the hiring marketing companies and shit like that is a it's a crapshoot don't start me yeah <laughs> Uh, one of the things I've found and I think has worked the best for so many people organically is shit like that like podcast right like every gym I work with I try, I do my best to sell them on the idea of having a, a, just a podcast for their gym in which they're not actually talking about their gym. They're talking about the local city. So if a new bar, brewery, uh, restaurant, um, you know, a new 10K race, anything that's happening within the city, talk about that. That's interesting to remember. You can only talk about fitness and nutrition for so fucking long. And interview your current customers. Learn about them. Interview other local business owners. Learn about them. Be be something, a source of information that's much more about than just one thing. Like I think, you know, you kind of look, if you really look at the macro strategy of like a Joe Rogan podcast, it's about anything and everything. That's right. It, it makes it, it makes it more agnostic. You know, Ben Patrick's got a podcast. So have you ever thought about like Slamboard Guy doing something in media creation like that? So obviously you guys want to be an educational outlet. You know enough people. 
you could get more than enough people to pop on a Zoom call and do a podcast with you in a fucking heartbeat to talk about the benefits of stuff. You guys ever considered that from like an organic, low cost marketing perspective? Yeah, like hundred percent. Um, it's like it's coming. It just everything at the moment takes time. You sure. Know? But when we grew so quick, like we did, and you need so many staff, it's really really hard to be able to like put yourself like at, you know at the start. You think it's hard, and you're wearing ten different hats, but then you got. 10 different people working for you, but it's just as hard because you've got to manage them people and tell them what you want done, how we're doing it, what we're doing. So it's like, we're getting there, but yep. like we've kind of got to just pick what we want to do first. Sure. Like I said before, the warehouse, the manufacturing, that's going to come first and then everything will come second behind that because I think once we get that done, the business is sustainable to a degree and then we can kind of like concentrate. Okay, cool. My wife can concentrate on this. I can contract, concentrate on product development and podcasts and, and still, like we said, yeah. that relationship building. Um, and then I think that's like the winning formula, right? So there's, like I said, you see now there's guys on YouTube that have stuff all following on Instagram, but they got a good YouTube following. Yeah. And why they got a good YouTube following, why they're popular? Because they've got an education. Like they're, sure. just, they're showing people what they do and they're talking about it and it's not just a Instagram post with some music on it and a reel. Yeah. Which is cool for some people. And it's, you sure. Know, it That's makes me aware of you. I know you exist, but then like like Marcus, like his stuff is on, on reels is – Boom, it's like, okay, cool, this guy exists. He knows what he's talking about. But if I want a really deep dive, I can watch a 20-minute fucking talking head video of Marcus. Yep. And, and I can actually, I can really feel like he's, you know, teaching me something. Like I'm paying, like I, I'm getting free education, essentially. Yeah, and if you go back to the early days of Ben, every single one. Like yeah. It was all educational, right? Yeah. Like, I use him as the point at the moment because he's the most I agree. prevalent one that's, you know, recent. But I just think that he's... You know, the way that he come out and he did what he did, a lot of it was for free. Like, he was just like, yeah. you know, a lot of education for free that people could just go on his page or go on his um, YouTube and, and, and see what they're doing. And I just think that's been a massive part of why he's been so successful. I agree. And for anyone, like, I think a lot of people get discouraged with social media. Like, there's already so much out there. Why should I even bother? Ben, ben didn't create anything new. He simply provided education on topics that just, there were videos on, you know, single leg split squats and things like that and, and getting the knees over the toes. Like there were even Louis Simmons videos of him talking about when they would compete against, I think, the Scandinavians in weightlifting companies. Like, how do these motherfuckers never get injured? We show up to these meets every year. My top guys are always banged up and they fucking kick our ass because they were dragging those fucking trees backwards to the yeah. woods and all those stories. And so that shit existed. He just looked at it and was like, this stuff really works, but no one's really talking about it at scale. Let me just talk about it at scale. And that's all it is. If you really believe in something, you, you there's something you really like you vibe with, there's a, a theory, whatever, as long as you can present it in an educational slash entertaining way, you you know, you you have a shot at uh at you know becoming an SME, a subject matter expert in that one little area. Yeah, and just becoming relatable. Like yeah. you're doing the podcast and the way that you hold yourself around all the other gyms, like you're relatable, right? So it's just like a lot of people are drawn to that. And that's why I said there was yesterday when we we're talking, there's a huge audience that he's relatable to, right? Sure. Eighteen year olds all the way to eighty year olds, right? There's no one really out there that I can think of in the space at the moment that has that broad range of audience of age group. Yeah. Um, so, and that's just because of how he's presented himself and he's made himself relatable to that whole range. So yeah. we talked yesterday, uh, how difficult it is, even with having patents, how quickly someone could just jack your shit. Mm -hmm. Right. If someone's listening to this and they've got ideas for a product, what recommendations would you have? Or what advice would you have them if their number one fear is like, okay, I'm going to put all this time, effort and energy into something. And then it's just going to get ripped off. 
how long do we have to talk? It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a sore point at the moment. Yeah. But no, um, look, it, it, it really depends on what, what you want out of your business and what you want to do. Um, if, if you're looking to build a business up and build a brand and exit in four or five years, I'd say head straight into that land, get all your patents sorted out. But if you want to just come in, go as hard as and quick as you can and make as much money as you can and then doesn't really matter, then why bother? Because there's going to be someone that takes you on and your patent's only as good as, as how deep your pockets are to protect it so um, and defend it. So it's a, it's a tricky one. What I would say on the whole issue is it's like there's a lot of time and effort that goes into inventing a product. Whether, whether you think it's a basic product, whether you think it's a sophisticated product or it's made in China or it's made in Australia, America, wherever it is, Whoever's designed it and come up with it, there's a lot of work that's gone into it. I can't really stand for something that just people just pick up and take um, and just go, okay, cool, slam board guys making money out of slam boards. Let's make slam boards. You want to make a slam board that's different to mine? More than happy. But when you get someone that just actually just takes your design and mimics it, mimics it so then other people think that they're buying off you but they're not buying off you, that's what, you know, that's what shit. That's a shit go. Yeah. Um, so People even take in, you know, your URL and changing it ever just so slightly and taking your logo and changing it ever so slightly. I mean, like that there's, you know, I'm a big fan. One of my favorite quotes is good artists borrow comma great artists steal. But I define stealing in business as taking inspiration from multiple different sources and then creating this like Frankenstein version, this hybrid version that otherwise didn't exist. Cause if you just take inspiration from one source, one slam board, one product, well, what you go and create is probably going to look exactly like that fucking thing. But if someone took create, you know, inspiration from this product and this product and this product and this product, and then they came up with, you know, this thing that didn't exist prior, that's that's what I'm all about because I like new shit. I don't like regurgitated versions of current shit that is not as good. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone benefits from that, right? Because it just pushes the bar higher and then other people are thinking, okay, look, I can take that, but I can add this. So if I put them two together, then I'll come up with this. I think that's the progression that everyone's looking for, right? Um, as an inventor, anyway. But when, like I said, when they just take, like you said, they regurgitate the same shit, it's it's super frustrating, right? Because you know, just even you go on about the logo and the brand, like you're getting a designer, you're meeting with a designer, you're talking about the design. Is it legible? What color is it? All that's time, money, effort yep. you go into, and someone thinks they can just come along and just go, "I'll take that. Oh, yeah, I'll use that. I'll just put my name there instead." So. That's that's the probably the hardest thing about business. Like I take it really personally. Um, I, I've got to try and change that perspective and just be like, yeah, whatever. Like let's just keep pushing ahead. Yeah, for the patents, I don't know. For me, they're super important. But for other people that just want to get in, get their money, make as much as they can for that two years, then yeah. I will. How long does it take to get a patent? Like, so did you have to file your patents in Australia and the US? So Australia is a little bit different than the US. US give you a grace period so you can start selling the product and then and then lodge. Um, Australia doesn't so if you sell which is crazy to me because yeah. how do you know if you're going to sell anything and you, you're, yep. you're already worrying about money but if you if you sell one unit in Australia before you apply then forget it so that's a little bit tougher over there here um, 16, 18, 24 months COVID like everything's yeah. changed everything around a lot you can expedite it you can pay more and expedite it and that's just for a design then you go into a utility pattern and that's that's where we're talking about big money lots yeah. of time but it's you know it adds value to your brand um, if that's that exit you're looking for in five sure, years. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's you know you we were talking last night. Products are great. Products will get you there, uh, and you got to have a great product. But ultimately, when um, there's a phrase I really liked, it's like in a in a world of parity, my best friend wins. Meaning, if 
if 10 knockoffs show up with slant boards and axis and all these other things, the one that's associated with a brand that I most resonate with is the one who's going to win. And we saw this like um, Lululemon is a great example of this. When Lululemon really hit like Pater in the United States, the one thing that was just just mind boggling to me was none of the women, and there's mainly a female audience in the beginning, would throw away the Lululemon bag, that tote bag that they have in the stores. A, it had utility. They'd use it going to the grocery store or whatever. It was a great, like, it was a high quality bag. Uh, and nobody, like, all the bags you get at other stores, you'd fucking toss them. You never thought twice about it. Number two, it was now a status symbol. You'd keep that bag, you'd use it to take your clothes to the gym or your lunch to work. And people were like, oh shit, that bitch can afford Lululemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it became a status thing. I definitely find myself fall prey to that where I will look at two items and one is considerably inexpensive than the other, but the other one has a brand that either I resonate with or I like the status of it. And I'll go with that one. Cause in a, but cause in a parody world, my best friend, AKA the brand that I want to be associated with is going to fucking win. Yep. You know, if I like 10,000 sh- brand shorts and gym apparel, and that's what I want to rock, even though these Nikes over here are 40 to $5 less per shorts, Fuck it. I don't, I don't want, because every dude in my gym is wearing Nikes. I want to wear this brand over here that I resonate with when I see their advertisements. I'm like, dude, that's fucking me they're talking about. For Slantboard Guy, you guys have a brand, and I think what you're doing in the traveling around, I think it's so much. So there's seven elements. I teach us that like, there's seven elements to every brand, and one of them is the creator. And so much of what people like about a brand, it comes from the mouthpiece and the actions of the creator until the company gets big enough. And now there's so many other people underneath the creator that are influencing it as well. How much do you feel the success of your brand has to do with all this hand-to-hand combat you've done, making relationships, doing the right thing by the customer, you know, traveling out here and, you know, fuck, dude. Stories you told me yesterday of, you know, flying out to literally hang out and meet with one or two people and the meeting didn't work out because of this, that, or the other thing. And fucking you're, you know, you're like, shit, am I going just all the way back to Australia without this meeting happening? But you putting in that effort, how much of the brand success do you think comes from that versus it just being a really good product? I think it plays a massive part, but that's only my belief because that's how I am. Like if someone flew all the way out to Australia to see (laughs) how we build our boards and what we do, like it's it's super important to me. Like, you know, I don't know anyone that wouldn't think that's important. So, you know, like I said yesterday, what will we leave Orlando with the three kids and like drive eight hours like up here? And like I was, I was speaking to the guy today. He's like, you checking out today? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm off to Tennessee today. And he's like, what? I'm just like, yeah. So it's like, but it's just, that's just my opinion. I think it comes across way more important um, than sending someone a text message um, or a video message or even a Skype. Like Skype's good, but... I just this face-to-face interaction you can't beat it and I just think that's that's the old school way of doing business and like you said I, I don't walk into a gym or I don't meet you thinking yeah I'm gonna go to Charlotte I'm gonna sell 100 units today yeah it's oh. just it's um it's just meeting people and just in this industry you never know who knows who I just think we're lucky enough with Ben that Ben introduces to a few of them people but that's what I said like it's a lot of work to maintain them relationships and build on them relationships. And I think we have, like, I think we've, we've spent a lot of time, effort, money. Like it's, you know, it's not cheap to come to the U S at the moment. (laughs) The exchange rates killing me at the moment, but just one of them things that I think is super important to everyone. And um, I'll continue to do it as long as I can. I think the best business owners can see the long-term ROI of stuff like that. And the ones that aren't going to probably make it, if I had to, to gamble on it, can't see long-term ROI. They'd be, they'd be like, okay, but how's it going to make me money next month? How's it going to make me money next quarter? 
What do you mean I'm going to go to Charlotte and not sell a hundred fucking boards? Like it's not worth the trip. Don't do it. And, and I'm so much of the belief like yours. Like, you know, I buy a Mark Bell slingshot or the shake straps. I've never met Mark Bell, but I know who he is. I remember seeing his the first documentary created when I was in high school, and it just changed my fucking mind of as to what content creation was. So when I use that product, I'm like, yeah, I like this because I, I think about the guy who made it. And I, I like just associating like with that person. Same thing with you. If I got a gym owner who listens to this, he goes, hey, talk to me more. How would you create a gym using the slant boards as a product? Fuck, I'll get on the phone with them too. And I'll be like, but listen, you definitely want to hit up fucking Nate. And like, that's the product you want in your gym. I associate so much of the brand because brand to me, the definition I like to go with is it's a person's gut feeling about a product or service. Now that gut feeling could be fuck the slant board or that gut feeling like the slant board saved my knees. The slant board has completely added a third dimension to my training. I have, I never had before and I literally will continue using this uh, until, you know, the, you know, until I stop working out until until I die. And I just think so much of the brand is going to be tied into the owner and what they put out, you know, so much of it. And I was looking through your social media this morning, you know, prepping for this. And I was like, man, I want to see, like, you do so much travel. I'm, I'm, I want to see you do more, like, face the camera, like these journals, these little mini vlogs. Don't say that. My my (laughs) wife's going to kill me because she's been on to me for, like, a year at least, like, they need to see you. They, they need to, do. I, like I'd, I get more and more comfortable being in front of the camera, but I'd, yeah, I really like. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, like. I it. get it, but, you, but like three, like and listen, we got to have dinner and hang out with your family yesterday, and they were your kids are fucking hilarious. By the way, your kids are a trip. You just, I, I saw so many brands create that relatability to it because I can't relate to a product. Yeah. I can relate to the person behind the product, and if those mouthpieces are the Ben Patrick's of the world, I'd like. It's like, I was like, fuck, it's like, I was, you know, I was set up the cameras for this and I was like, maybe I'll just go with one. I'm like, no, I fucking, I want one on Nate. I want one, I like, cause <laughs> I want people to see that this, see who this guy is. And, um, because you're so relatable, especially to me as a small business owner, as a dad who has to incorporate his family into the business at times. I mean, I, I was set up for a podcast and my kid will sit down right there. She's like, what are we talking about? I'm like, I'm not talking to you, but, yeah. but let's go practice. Right. Like we'll fuck around and do all that. So I, brother, if I, <laughs> any bit of advice you didn't ask for listen to your wife she's not wrong about it get yourself slightly more comfortable out there um because uh i truly think that people relate to the brands in which they they like and your story and what you do from a bit it's invigorating to me i was telling jess i flew more this past year than i ever have and i I don't want to do that again next year just it was so fucking heavy got back from dinner with you i was like fuck that i'll do it smarter i won't cram as much I'll, i'll space my trips out a little bit better but fuck that. Like Nathan's right, man. That's exactly like that. That's the thought I had in my head. And when I'm getting lazy, I think about, ah, I don't need to do that. Right. When I get tired or whatever, but then I, you know, sitting there last night with you, I got so reinvigorated on it. I'm like, dude, this, this is exactly what I enjoy doing. I never, I regret the trips until I'm on them leading up to, I'm like, oh fuck, I got to fly out to LA. I got to do this. Yeah. And I, and I regret it until I get there. I'm like, I'm so happy I did this. Yeah. Look, mate, look, I had no intentions. We're in Miami. I'm, I'm working out. Next minute, I'm like boxing with Hector Lombard. Yeah. Like, it's like someone that's just like one of the originals, you know? Yeah. It's like, so the people that you come across and, and the journey that you hear and, and what they do and, and how much they want to support you and, and, and they love what you're doing, it's, like, it's really inspiring. Like, oh, I love it. But it's just, there's two different ways people look at it. You know, like I've got friends at home. It's like, why well, would you spend all that money? You go to America, it doesn't guarantee sales. 
when you could spend that money into marketing and you've got this ROI and your marketing dialed in. Sure. And you can go, it's this. And I'm just like, again, what you said is that there's, there's not a return on investment straight away, but you just don't know. Like That's what excites me. You don't know what that return on the investment is. Like, could be nothing, but it could mm. be something huge, you know. So, yeah, it's just something we did. Of like, well, This will probably be top up three months this year in yeah. the US so far. Um, and we'll probably extend a little bit of some people that I forgot about that I need to meet in LA and, yeah. and San Fran. So we'll go over there and introduce them to the family. And again, I think like this one's been a little bit more special. People got to meet the family. So yep. it makes, like you said, it makes it a little bit more relatable again. Like there's a family behind the business. You know, they're always helping us out in the warehouse packing boxes. And <laughs> so it's a little bit slave don't, labor. Don't, but yeah, but don't worry about those <laughs> yeah. child labor laws. <laughs> yeah, there's a, li- a little bit of that going on. But um, no, they, they love it. And, you know, it teaches them a lot. Like, you know, and like the, the culture and everyone, everything they've seen on the trip. And, you know, it's it's not just for me. It's for them. Your um, kids are – I was – like, I meant to say it last night at dinner. They're fucking drawing and sketching and they're doing all the shows like – Oh shit! They've got like that's definitely like their dad's like product design engineering genes in them. Like I was watching some of these some of the drawings and she was like she was copying some. I was like, holy shit, that's good. Yeah, it's yeah, very cool, man. Yeah, they love it. Like I said, they they're supposed to be doing a journal because we've taken them out of school for a while, right? Yeah. So it's um that's a big thing over there. Not they don't really the school's not a fan of of taking them out for so long. <laughs> but um, as look, they they learn a lot. They get a lot of culture, so they're doing they're doing their diaries every day and. Yeah, they've, they've seen some pretty cool stuff, man. Yeah. They've met some really cool people. But again, I think it just builds that bond stronger. You know, there's been people we're hanging out with their wives and families and, and stuff like that. So that's not a business thing. Then it becomes more of a friendship thing and a yep. family thing. And again, like I, when I met Dan down in Miami, like I had no intention of going there and meeting anybody else. It was just to go there and meet Dan, work out with Dan and all the people that we've introduced you to. It's just like it's just another huge network of people that like Cinderfit. I didn't know Cinderfit before I met Dan, you know, and then I look at their product and I was like, this is like super cool. So yeah. like, when you're on the other side of the world in Australia, it's um, it's a lot more difficult to, to come across people like that. So no, I love it. It's, I think it's great. I love it, dude. I love it. So uh, for anyone listening, where's the best place that they want to go capture, uh, get a look at what it is you guys are doing, get a slant board. Where do they go? Um, just, our Instagram is just slant board guy. Um, that's probably the best place to see, you know, what people are doing on the boards um, and, you know, what you can do in the boards, what can be achieved, what, what we're about. Um, and then just our website's just www.slantboardguy.com. Uh, if you want to buy or just check out the products that we've got. We've got some pretty cool stuff just about to drop. And, um, yeah, that whole education piece, I don't know. I think we're probably two or three months away. Very cool. We're not, we're not very far away at all. So hopefully looking forward to that and a YouTube channel kicking off. So I love yeah, it, man. That's where they can find us. I love it. All right. We're, uh, Nathan and me are going to get out here. We're going to head to the gym and go fuck around and work out and uh, play on the slam boards. All right, guys. Talk to you in the next one. Thanks, mate.